Good morning, good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book study. My name is Monica T., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And today is Friday, January 22nd. 2016. And today we are reading from the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution. We will be beginning our reading on page 24, the third paragraph. And today's readers are the 12 Steps, Mary H., the 12 Traditions, Phoebe B. And then our text readers are Lisa H., Terry H., Sarah W., and our newcomer greeter will be Deb W., the reference number, share ID for yesterday, Thursday, the 21st day of January, is 8398. 8398. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. And I will now ask Mary H. to read the 12 steps. Good morning. This is Mary in Connecticut, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. The 12 steps. Step one. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except one to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And 12, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And thank you for letting me do service when I pass. Thank you, Mary H. 
I will now ask Phoebe B. to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning. This is Phoebe B., Recovered Compulsive Overeater from Vermont. The 12 Traditions. Number one, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10. Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11. Our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities pass. Thank you, Phoebe B. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinent requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinent requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. And once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We are in the chapter, There is a Solution. We will begin our reading on page 24 with the third paragraph that begins, The Alcoholic Must Say to Himself. And the reader will read two paragraphs. The first one is for context only. And please comment on the second paragraph. And with that, I am going to ask Lisa H. to read for us, please. Thank you, Monica. Um, good morning. This is Lisa H., a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater just for today, calling from a slightly snowy Tennessee. Um, the alcoholic may say to himself in the most casual way, it won't burn me this time. 
so here's how. Or perhaps he doesn't think at all. How often have some of us begun to drink in this nonchalant way, and after the third or fourth, pounded on the bar and said to ourselves, for God's sake, how did I ever get started again? Only to have that thought supplanted by, well, I'll stop with the sixth drink, or what's the use anyhow? When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid, and unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of alcoholics throughout history. But for the grace of God, there would have been thousands more convincing demonstrations. So many want to stop, but cannot. Um, Again, this is Lisa, gratefully recovered in um, Tennessee. Um, This this is probably some of the most powerful pages for me. Um, I think I learned that if I'm if I'm truly uh, if I'm if I'm truly a compulsive overeater, I can identify with the with the thought or you know saying how did I how did I get started again? How many times I said how did this happen to me again? Um, I thought I was the only person who who uh, behaved this way uh, around food um, for decades. I would put the food down. I would get to my goal weight. You know, I was really good at restricting and over-exercising and all those things, only to pick it back up again and gain everything back that I had lost. Um, You know, my poor family watched this pattern of behavior again and again, year after year. This insane, the word insane, this insane behavior, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. Um, and I would try this diet and that diet, um, and it would just truly was insane behavior. Um, when I finally came to OA and learned about the twofold nature of the disease, uh, I also found the God of my understanding um, who wanted all of me, um, and that if I could put down my alcohol foods, um, it was amazing how it cleared it cleared away part of the problem and then really opened opened myself up to the grace of God. You know, that that just that saying, the grace of God, that grace, that unmerited, you know, unmerited divine assistance giving to humans um, opened me up really to a new way of looking at my behavior, looking at my past, um, and, and moving forward um, to learn so much about what the solution is. Um, anyway, thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Lisa H. And who would like to comment on the second paragraph? Tina S. Julie Tina. R. Julie. Tina S. Gotcha, Tina. Gotcha, Julie. Bella, can I share? Gotcha, Bella. Leia D. Leia D. Gotcha. Sally. 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 Gotcha. Sasa. Gotcha. Okay, let's go with that. Tina S., Julie R., Bella, Leah D., Sally A., and Vasa O. Tina, you're up. Thanks, Monica. Uh, Tina S., compulsive eater, anorexic from Florida. Um, wow. 
you know, I was thinking today I'm not going to comment. Uh, I need to take a break because I can talk a lot. But, you know, I couldn't hold myself back from this paragraph because it just took me back to a place of, wow, I, I kind of forgot this. But, you know, when I came into OA the last time, I was uh, 94 pounds. Uh, you know, I've been all over the scale. I've, you know, I'm maintaining a 35-pound weight loss and weight gain. But I remember um, alcoholic tendencies place themselves beyond human aid. Unless I'm... Unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. You know, I uh, put myself in a, a, a mental institution, you know, because I thought, you know, I'd rather really just be insane than have some other issues. So that I thought that was just my lot in life. And then when I got in there, you know, um, I really wanted to, like, just keep dieting. And they, you know, they saw my weight and their solution was be this woman. You know, and so they had no idea about the disease of compulsive eating. And, um, you know, I, but for the grace of God, and it was just shared, that I stayed there for a couple of days, but I really knew just being in that environment that, you know, I was not insane. I did have some issues, and they were certainly uh, mental uh, and not necessarily uh, physical. But, um, you know, but for the grace of God, through that process, I finally surrendered to the fact that, you know, I really needed help and I was beyond human hate and there was a God bigger than me that could help me, you know, and, and, um, and I just have to say this because this is my experience. I'm in another program and I just by rote, I always just, uh, when I got up in the morning, went to my knees and prayed and not necessarily prayed because when I was 94 pounds, I could not think, but, you know, for whatever reason, that act humbled me and, uh, I, you know, receive some help from the power greater than myself and through you all. So thanks with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Tina S. Julie R., you're up, and then it'll be Bella. Hi, Monica. Thank you. This is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in California. I have so many notes on my big book around here, it's going to be hard for me to read. But the part that really gets to me is this sort of thinking is fully established an individual he has probably placed himself beyond human aid. I mean, how many times did I try to stop, that I choose today to not eat, and of course couldn't make it a, an hour towards the end. Two hours was a miracle. The thousands of dollars that I spent, the hundreds of pounds that I gained and lost, the doctors that I, I looked out, uh, you know, going on, you know, trying to go on every miracle diet that would be at the grocery store, all thinking that this time is going to work. And it finally hit me when I really got into this big book and I really got a deeper relationship with my creator that there is only one thing that can help me. It's I have to place myself beyond human aid. That means no person on earth, no book, no anything. It's got to come from something stronger than Julie. And when I did that, that same person that was seemingly hopeless and was in the food and morbidly obese and dishonest and all those things, I don't live like that today. I don't want the food. And it didn't come from me. It didn't come from all those diets. It came from that power greater than me. This is such a powerful, powerful section in the book. So with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Julie R. Bella, you're up, and then it'll be Leah D. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Bella G., and I'm a thankful recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, Monica, for doing this service. 
and thank you very much, everybody on the line. But for the grace of God, wow, yes, thank you, God. I know that I am a compulsive overeater. I know that I have a disease, an allergy in the body, an obsession in the mind. And thank you, God. Now I know that I am connected to a loving and accepting Father. I, I, but the, for the grace of God, I am connected to myself, not to my ego, not to my control, not to my power. Thank you, God, for the grace of God. Yes, today I live in freedom. I live with the 12 steps, and yes, I live in freedom. Yes, today I can say, very accepting. I am powerless. I am human. I don't have the control. And yes, today I have a choice. I have a choice to choose the right choice one day at a time. And today, thank you, God, I am not there anymore to be a people pleaser and to show my smartness to my acceptance. Yes, you know, I have my hard days, and and sometimes it's harder than others, but there is a solution. There is a hope. Today I learned to pose and to learn new ways, new things. And this is only the grace of God. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Bella G. Leah D., you're up, and then it'll be Sally. Hello. Hi, good morning. My name is Leah D. Um, I've been a silent listener for a few days already. <sighs> uh, I'm a compulsive overeater today, by the grace of God, is day 48. <sighs> I'm around these rooms for 42 years. Yesterday was my birthday. <sighs> I felt like I was 28. I feel very free today. Um, when this sort of thinking is fully established, Beyond human aid, for me, what resonates right now is the stark and ugly facts have been confirmed. It's terrible. This disease is just terrible. And um, I always thought I could just get away with it. I I could get away with something, and I can't get away with everything. And I realized yesterday after spending the day with my daughter that the stark and ugly facts is this food has held me in a prison. I've allowed myself to be a prisoner in a dark and ugly place. When I feel so fat and I can't move and I'm carrying this extra 100 pounds around, I can't live. I haven't been able to walk well. I haven't been able to live. I've been permanently insane. But today there's hope. And the hope starts with getting up, getting out of bed and dialing this phone and listening to the other overeaters and my brothers and sisters share and hold your hand out to me over the lines that there is a place for me to go to. I don't want to be alone anymore. I'm so grateful to be here this morning. It's beyond human aid. I want what you have, and I'm willing to go to any lengths to get it. The stark, ugly facts. If I don't stay here and work with you and do this big book and take this love into my life, I will be permanently insane. And with that, I pass. 
Thank you, Leah D. Welcome home. Sally A., you're up, and then it'll be Vasa. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. Good morning, a vision for you. So when this sort of thinking is fully established, I'm sorry, it's Sally A. recovered in South Jersey. When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual, I was thinking about this sort of thinking. And on page two in Bill's story, he describes this sort of thinking as, I commenced to forge the weapon that one day would turn in its flight like a boomerang and all but cut me to ribbons. So it's described as a boomerang. On page 23, it says they sound like the philosophy of the man who, having a headache, beats himself on the head with a hammer so that he can't feel the ache. And here on this page, page 24, it tells us this time we shall handle ourselves like other people there is a complete failure of the kind of defense that keeps one from putting his hand on a hot stove. So how are they describing our illness? Um, and, of course, they're telling us, they're likening us to the insane. We are like the man with a boomerang. We're like the guy with a hammer. We're like the guy who puts his hand on a hot stove. Over and over, they're describing us as being nuts. And the truth of the matter is, that is what I became, nuts. When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, with food addiction tendencies, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid. And this was my truth. And unless locked up, I wished that somebody would chain me to a radiator, do something to lock me up because I've lost the power of choice to stop myself was impossible. I needed to be locked up. And then they're telling us may die or go permanently insane. And the truth of the matter is, folks, I did not know how sick I was until about a year into my recovery when I looked over my shoulder at the dust rising of the wreckage of my life that I could see just how nuts I was. These stark and ugly facts have been confirmed by legions of compulsive overeaters and really been confirmed by the recovered who look over their shoulders and look into their past and see the wreckage of their past. All right, I said a lot. Thanks for letting me share with that, I guess. Thank you, Sally. Vasa, you're up. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Monica, for your service, and I'm grateful recovered compulsive overeater calling from Florida. And... uh, I remember coming at the beginning to the phone bridge, and there were like 200, 300 people, and I was so afraid because I was so used to going to small groups, and I kept on asking God, please give me the courage, just give me the courage. And that's why I volunteered to come and speak because I was one of those people. I just I had fear of big crowds, so I'm just so grateful to be with every one of you and to be sheer and to be just one of you. I was, uh, again, I was beyond my, I, I was beyond a human aid by the time I found over it as anonymous. Uh, I exerted all my power to put the food down, my whole power in my life. You know, it's not like I didn't try. I tried everything I heard of. And there were only three more things I wanted to try. Maybe if I went to a hypnotist, or maybe in 30 years ago, people were having their jaws wired. And I said, well, maybe if I have the jaws wired, or maybe if I have my 
stomach stapled, and now they do gastro bypasses, you know. But I was always afraid to, you know, to even go to those places. But anyways, uh, it says here, he has probably placed himself beyond human aid unless, unless locked up, may die or go permanently insane. And I remember when I was working, I remember saying, well, when I'm home, I'll have a better control with the food. And then when I was home, I remember saying, well, maybe if I was working, I'd have a better control because I'm not going to be surrounded all this food, you know. And I remember times, although I had a child and I was stay-at-home mom, I remember thinking, well, if my husband just locks me in the room before he goes to work, then I'm not going to be able to, you know, those the crazy thinking was just, the insanity that was going with the food was just unbelievable. And again, the solution coming to, you know, again will be the next paragraph will be the solution. To me, the coming to the, you know, my first OA meeting, finally, I remember saying, finally, you know, it was like, it was like a song to my heart, the good news, the solution here. So my time is up, and I'm going to pass and let somebody else share. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. And who else would like to comment on the second paragraph? Michelle M. from Maryland. Amy G. Rachel Michelle. W. Leah M. <laughs> I'm way back on, way back on Michelle, you guys. <laughs> All right, Michelle M., I, you're the only name I heard. Okay, I think I heard of Rochelle. Yeah, but it's Rochelle. Yeah, Rochelle Amy. Amy. Rachel G. W. Amy. All right, all right. I got Rochelle. Leah M. Leah. Can you just, oh, can you just tell me where we're Melissa Can you just tell me where we're at? What we page? are on page 24, the last paragraph. Thanks, dear. Melissa Okay, I've got Michelle, Rochelle, Amy, Leah, Melissa. Let's go with that, and then we'll... Michelle M., you're up, and then I think it's either Rochelle or Rochelle. You'll have to correct me. Thank you. Well, there's only one of me. It's Rochelle M. from Maryland, and uh, thank you for your service. I'm going to assume that you can hear me just fine. Yep. Okay, Okay, great. So um, when I hear, when I heard this morning's reading... Uh, reminded me of something that happened last night. I, I've been in program now for nine, this is my ninth year of abstinence. And uh, first several years, I worked the tools exclusively, even though I had gone to a big book uh, awakening meeting, which lasted over a year. And um, the last several years, I've been living in 10, 11, and 12, having gone through the steps. And uh, I've always been a compulsive overeater. I mean, when I realized what was going on, that's what I was clearly. And uh, I had an unusual thought last night. Usually I eat dinner with my husband every night, and last night he was away. And there I was in the house, and the thought came to me, I don't want to eat. And uh, and I thought about that. And I don't know where it came from. Never in my life have I had a thought that says, I don't want to eat. You know, um, it was always, if no one is home, this is before program, I'm going to eat whatever I want. No one's going to stop me. I'm here by myself. Wow, here's an opportunity. The thought was, I don't want to eat. And I realized that that is a permutation of my disease. Namely, here I am living in recovery, and I 
was dealing with a new manifestation, namely, I don't want to eat. And I had to trick myself, you know, like pretending that I was preparing salad for myself and my husband in order to get myself out of that place and into back into recovery. And it's so interesting because here I am thinking I'm recovered, living in 10, 11, and 12, and where did that thought come from? So with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rochelle M. Michelle M., you're up, and then it'll be Amy. Was there a Michelle? Okay, Amy G., you're up. Good morning, Monica. Can you hear me okay? I sure can. Oh, good morning. Trying to unmute really quickly there. Good morning. Thank you for your service. Thanks to everyone who shared. And um, I agree with Julie. What a powerful packed paragraph. What a powerful packed page that we have here. How everything has been building to this this exclamation point about understanding the true nature of the mental obsession of this disease and how truly powerless I am against this cunning, baffling disease. Putting ourselves beyond human aid, but for the grace of God that we recover. And if we review over the last couple of weeks, you know, we read this paragraph in italics that said, my willpower is non-existent if I am a true compulsive overeater, and that I am without defense against that first bite or that first drink. And then about the ways soon? of our thinking are, the way of our thinking. Are you coming out soon? And then, you know, I remember being five bites into the binge. Okay, I'm going to go to the gym. Excuse me. Wait a minute, Amy. Amy, there's somebody unmuted. Please, we... Please, everyone, please mute your phones. We can't hear Amy. Thank you. Okay, Amy, I'm sorry. Sure, sure. So, and, and I remember being, you know, instead of pounding on the bar, being in front of the refrigerator, five bites into the binge, going, how the hell did I get here? I had placed myself beyond human aid. As a matter of fact, if I go back to that paragraph with the italics, I had put myself, I was, let me put it this way, I was without defense against me, that my best efforts that everything that I had and every will that I had, every natural instinct cries out against personal powerlessness. It says that in step one in the AA 12 and 12. I kept, even in Overeaters Anonymous, trying to figure out how to work this program on my own. And it was a very, very scary, scary, scary place to be to understand the true nature of my powerlessness, that I of myself alone could not only not fix myself, that I was my worst liability. I was without defense against me to put that first bite in my mouth. But what that was, it was a foundation upon which I could build a recovery because with true desperation, the gift of desperation, it talks about legions of people could confirm it. I had myself legions of experiences that could confirm my powerlessness. And even though I tried to convince myself that somehow with the knowledge and understanding, even working in Overeaters Anonymous, a little here, a little there, that somehow I would be able to do this, had to be smashed. And upon that foundation, I worked this program like my life depends upon it, because for me, it does. It talks about it in the big book. At some point, we can't imagine life with food or without it, without with our binge foods or without it. And that was truly the case for me. But it can be the dark before the because when I stop using me to fix me and my mind to fix me, my mind, my sick mind, I then turn to something else. And I remember my my sponsor saying to me, I don't care if you think it's Jesus, Buddha, or the universal vibes of a tree, as long as it's greater than you and it's not you. 
you all in the program who had recovered and these 12 steps showed me a power greater than myself. Your legions of recovered experiences and recovered people showed me a solution. It is here, but I had to come to the end of myself first. Thank you for that. And with that, I'll share. I mean, I'll pass. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Amy. Thank you. Leah M., you're up, and then it'll be Melissa. Thanks so much. When this sort of thinking is fully established in an individual with alcoholic tendencies, you know, it took the education that I got, well, from my disease and from these pages to understand that the real problem was my thinking. You know, for years I had focused on a physical solution. Uh, You know, uh, you can't solve a spiritual problem with a physical solution. It took the big book to make me understand the nature of my disease. You know, in step one, I had to concede that I was powerless, and that realization that I was doomed uh, had to come through full force. And I wasn't doomed because of the allergy of the body, although that seemed to be a very bad problem for me. Uh, But the real issue was because of my thinking. All action is born in thought. This thinking that leads to this obsession of the mind, I had to realize that the only solution that was going to ever work for someone like me, a real compulsive overeater, is something that gets rid of that mental obsession that changes the thinking. And I couldn't do that by myself because I couldn't stop the thinking that kept sending me back to that which was killing me. You know, it was going to take more than my, more than, uh, my, my compulsive overeating had to be arrested in this process. My own philosophy, my view of life, my beliefs, my attitudes had to be confronted and overhauled. No wonder merely abstinence did not work because mere abstinence, the mere removal of certain substances that I was allergic to was not going to change the way I was thinking. You know, and also had to be pounded into me that anything that came from my own resources, my willpower, any effort that I could muster up, my philosophy on life, any morality that I could thread together, any goals or good intentions, wasn't going to solve the problem of compulsive overeating because certainly had tried that. You know, uh, this this was this was an understanding that I had to get deep down. You know, this was an understanding that I had to get deep down. I didn't have a problem with compulsive overeating and food. (laughs) I compulsively overate very, very well. I had a problem with living. I had a problem with thinking. I had a problem with me. This was not a, a war against food. This was a war with Leia against Leia, uh, under the guise, you know, self-destructing by my own hand, under the guise of seeking ease and comfort with that first bite, because I could not, uh, you know, handle life without the anesthes, and you know, the uh, feelings of uh, being anesthetized and medicated uh, by by my by food. You know, so, uh, you know, this reality had to get pounded into me. All action is born in thought. What if my thinking was attended to through the process of these steps? And that process is called recovery, and that's what this is all about, implementing the steps to be recovered. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah M. Melissa C., you're up. Hi, good morning, everyone. It's Melissa Sia, recovered compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, when this thinking is firmly established um, to be beyond human aid, and, you know, I was, I was thinking, what was my thinking? Um, 
you know, it was um, hopeless. My thoughts were that who cares anyway? You know, I just couldn't even summon up the strength to care um, anymore because it was it was just demoralizing. Every time I think that it's dirt, any effort or care, um, you know, my brain brought me right back to picking up the food again. And, um, you know, one of the incredible miracles for me was when I really did hit my, my time of desperation. Um, I wasn't at my heaviest weight. You know, I was someone who's been a dieter and an overweight person um, battling that. I would always think that, well, when you reach a certain weight, that's going to be your breaking point. But it wasn't my high weight. It was really when um, my head, my thinking felt crazy. And, and I knew at that moment I was screwed and I was beyond human aid. I, you know, would be driving to work in the car and my heart was pounding in my ears and in my chest. I was terrified. And I didn't know who was this terrified person. I felt really um, out of control with fear. And, you know, and so, and I was eating things that I thought were safe food um, compulsively, doing anything to stop my head, stop my head. And by a miracle, um, you know, I, I went to the doctor and, um, and, you know, of course, got warnings again. But the miracle was that someone told me about this phone meeting, which happens to be the exact same time as my morning commute. And, um, and then I was able to find my higher power for this group, and I'm extremely grateful. Thank you, with that all counts. Thank you, Melissa C. Would anyone else like to comment on this, or should we go to the solution? Anybody else want to comment? on the powerlessness of this. I'd like to comment. Thinking. This is Gail T. Gail T. Go ahead. It's, oh, well, mine is just very simple. What everyone said is, ditto, and I pass. <laughs> Thank you. Ditto, ditto, I agree. Hi. Linda, Linda R. R. Okay. Hi. Linda R. Go ahead. Hi. Good morning. I'm walking. I hope you can hear me clearly. Hi. Hello. This is Raquel from Israel. Hi, Monica. When you can Hi, get Raquel. me in. I got you. You'll be after Linda. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. <laughs> Home menagerie today. Anyway, my name is Linda R., and I'm recovered in South Florida. Very grateful to the fellowship and to you for doing service today. Beyond human aid, what's coming into my mind is when I first came into this program, I was going to the wrong source. I learned in this program that God or higher power, my own design, is my source. And who did I go to? In my family of origin, I went to people that were not that well. They were dysfunctional, and they were my source. So that's where I went. And through this program, I started learning about myself and helping others and cultivating my spiritual enlargement. Today, I am so clear who my source is. And I just want to share that beyond human aid, yes, however, today I go to resources of human aid. I'm having a lot of hard time hearing you, Linda. Okay. A lot of... Uh, can you hear me better now? That's better? better. Okay. When I go to my source now, first I go to my higher power. And then I have my resource. I have my program, my network. I have 
resource in the community, if I need some medical or whatever my need is, my higher level of source, which is God, leads me to the human source today, the human resource. So I want to just say, yes, I am beyond human aid. And it did take me a long time to really have reliance and trust on this source. Thank you. Thank you, Linda R. Raquel, you're up. Star one to unmute, Raquel. Hello. Hi, Manisha. Can you hear me now? Sure can. Uh, thank you so much for moderating. And hi to all my dear family on the line. Beyond human resource, any human power cannot help me already when I get to that point, when I cross that line. And the real, being a real compulsive overeater, you know, we all went so beautifully through all the classifications, if you are this, if you are that. But what about the real? Well, I am the real. And God created me that way that after a certain point, I will have no more choice. For me, the example of in driving, when you have that blind spot, you know, there's that spot that you must turn your head, but the real view mirror is not going to help anymore. My car was stolen already about three years ago. There's good bus service. I didn't buy another car, but I remember the need to turn my head physically to see because the car can be right next to me and I won't see. So the same thing, I think, as I, as I understand, in the, world of the, in the realm of the spirit, there comes a point when, you've, when, when I cross that red line and God created me that way and God created the, the, the need to self-destruct. It's in us. Every culture has another name for it, but when you go against self, that's the state of the real addict. And I have a food addiction. Call it whatever nice names you want, but to be an addict means to do things that you don't want to do and to not do things that you do want to do. When you get to that point, only God can rescue and, you know, we've been doing this beautiful studying, and I, I'm so excited about it that we've come to this point where we'll soon listen with, I will listen with all my heart to the solution because uh, <laughs> real early this morning somebody called me from New York, another Israeli girl whom I've been trying to help, you know, with the English and all that she can be there. There are so many people here who cannot listen to the vision, and and... I hope so that you will finally not again and again, like I did, get abstinence, fall off. I mean, what what did I fall off of? I never did step one. I never accepted the powerlessness. Here, here, here I, we're doing it together. God bless you all with good recovery. And I, I'm I'm very excited that we are doing, we are at this point now for the fourth time, I believe. So more power to everybody on the line, and to newcomers especially. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Raquel. We're going to move on to the next paragraph here. And Terry H., would you read for us, please? There is a solution. Thank you, Monica. My name is Terry H., I'm a recovery compulsive overeater from Maine. There is a solution. Almost none of us like the self-searching, 
the leveling of our pride, the confession of our shortcoming, which the process requires for its successful consummation. But we saw that it really worked in others, and we had come to believe in the hopelessness and the futility of life as we had been living it. When, therefore, we were approached by those whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools that laid at our feet. We have found much of heaven, and we have been rocketed into the fourth dimension of existence, of which we had not even dreamed. Yay, we're here. There is a solution. And um, I have to chuckle because, I, you know, you know the, the, first, the first line, it says, almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride. So the self-searching, what is the solution? The solution is the steps. So the self-searching is steps four and five. The leveling of our pride is steps six and seven. And the confession of our shortcomings, which is, which is eight and nine, which requires for successful cons- consummation, which is completion, finish of the rest of the steps. And I call page 25 the, the page of hope because this is where it all changes for me. And for me, you know, I, you know, when I, when I began, you know, I came into the fellowship and, you know, I was just in the fellowship. I was not in, into the steps. And so it took me, uh, it took me, you know, a four year binge to come back. And, um, so I always say, you know, the fellowship, the, the, my first bottom got me to the fellowship and my second bottom got me to the steps because this is where it all changed for me. And, um, you know, at this point, I had to ask myself, did I reach the point where little little can be done for me? And um, have I reached the point where, you know, there's little hope for me? And, you know, the answer, you know, I had to I had to know the problem before I could go to the solution. And, um, you know, this this was the answer to my to my problem. Thank you, God. This is the second piece. And I always like to go back to, you know, page 17, where it says the tremendous fact for every one of us is that we've discovered a common solution. So this is it, the 12 steps. We have a way out which we can absolutely agree and upon which we can join in brotherly and harmonious action. This is the great news this book carries to those who suffer from alcoholism. So I'm grateful, you know, where they, where they say, you know, um, where the piece where it says, uh, when therefore we were approached by those whom the problem had been solved, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools that laid at my feet, laid at our feet. And um, again, you know, I heard a speaker once say, he called these um, he called these spiritual tools, um, he called them the spiritual power tools. And um, in order for a power tool to be used, they must be plugged in in order for them to work. So. Um, the 12 steps is where I get new power because if lack of power is my dilemma and with the solution, I'm going to have new power and live a freedom that I could not even imagine. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks, Monica. Thank you, Terry H. And who would like to share on this paragraph? Larry. Larry. Paula D. Kim. Paula. Okay, we'll, do, we'll start with that. Larry, Kay, you're up, and then it'll be Kim G. and then Paula D. Monica, thanks so much. Um, Larry Kay, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. Um, you know, the, the question I get more than, than any other is, is some variation of, of just what do I have to do? And, um, you know, the big book is very clear on this. The big book is very clear on this. It says almost none of us like the self-searching, the leveling of our pride the confession of shortcomings, which this process requires. It requires it for a successful consummation. 
we're getting an awful lot of interference. Yeah, we Larry. are. I don't yeah, know where are. it's coming from. Please, everybody, well, mute your can... phones. Okay, let's okay, try it. I don't know if... Go ahead, Larry, okay. try it. Sure, sure, you bet. So it, it, the big book is pretty darn clear, you know, but remember the clear admonition on the top of page 14, simple but not easy, a price had to be paid. It meant the destruction of self-centeredness. That was the price, destruction of self-centeredness. And so, you know, coming to a, to a program like this years ago, a, a very spiritually sick, self-centered person like me, um, you know, fully lacking humility, full of judgment towards you, of course, uh, dishonest, pretty much uninterested in taking any action steps that, unless they, you know, they'll help me to become more worthy of your praise, perhaps a bit more handsome, thinner, you know, those sorts of things. Why would I spend one minute of my time engaged in an activity that is intended to reduce my pride rather than my belly? You know, confessions of shortcomings to myself, another human being, God, um, excuse me. No, you, you've got this all wrong. You see, I, I only confess my, my magnificence to others. My defects of character, well, I, I deny their existence or rationalize them away. I hide, I hide them from you, obfuscating, you know, the real issue. So at worst, you see me as a wonderfully complex person, you know. And with all my energy devoted, you know, to this winning program, winning, I go right on inhaling the food, spewing judgment onto you, lying my way through life. And the question really becomes, how free do we want to be? And so, you know, being a bit sarcastic with, with that, you know, what I would say is, how free do I want to be? There, it, thank goodness there was a solution. It's just before I thought the solution would have to be physical, meaning in a tangible physical book I could read physical in another human being, some guru, surely I'll call the person that I see standing up there on the stage, uh, you know, that looks real thin, a lot thinner than he or she used to be. Clearly, they are the power that I need. But that wasn't the case. Time. You know, thanks so much, Monica. The, the, thank God there is a solution. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Larry Kay. Kim G., you're up. Good morning, Monica. Good morning, all. My name is Kim Z. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. You know, I heard this joke that if you want to hide something from an alcoholic, put it in the big book. They'll never look there. So when we want to know where is the solution, where did they hide it? They hide it in a chapter called There is a Solution. And then on 25, they put it in squiggly writing so we don't know where it is. There is a solution. You know, in the prior um, paragraph, it says, when this sort of thinking was fully established, you know, I have this twofold illness, allergy of the body, obsession of the mind, and I tried to cure a physical and mental illness with only a physical solution of abstinence, and that never worked for someone who, like me, an alcoholic of my type, where that thinking was fully established. So what he says here, almost none of us like. I don't need to like the solution to have it work. And what is that solution? The self-searching, which is step, in my opinion, is step four. The leveling of our pride, steps five through seven, and the confession of shortcomings, which is eight through nine. 
So with those action steps after the conclusion we're powerless, the conclusion we need a power, and we make a decision to seek that power, the solution is the action steps that we take. You know, I love when Bill summarizes the steps like that. And when it says here, when therefore you approach by those in whom the problem had been solved, and that's one of the reasons I like this meeting. This meeting is simply an Overeaters Anonymous meeting. There's nothing special about this meeting. There's not a vision for you way of doing the steps. But the power of it is you have now been approached by a group of people in whom the problem had been solved. There are many people on this line who are recovered and the problem had been solved. But the kicker is, there was nothing left for us but to pick up the simple kit of spiritual tools laid at our feet. And those spiritual tools are not the nine tools of OA. Those spiritual tools are the steps. And, this, and just being exposed to the steps, just being exposed to vision for you, is not going to get you recovered. The, the, the key is, are you willing to pick it up? Are you willing to take action on the examples and the solution that's being presented on you today? And Larry you know, kicked it, um, nailed it on the head there. How free do you want to be? Are you content with just listening to recovered voices and getting a relief from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time every day? Or do you want freedom the other 22 hours? Because let me tell you, it was only when I took action on these simple spiritual tools that I got to experience what the other people on this line experienced. So I implore you, I beg you today, to not only listen to these recovered people on the line, but take action so you can join us on that broad highway. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. And Paula. Paula D., you're up. And thank you, and thank you for your sister, Jay. want to start with gratitude, and boy, what a paragraph to start with gratitude. And I'm going to go right to this word, win. 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 Therefore, what for? Oh, let's go on there. We were approached by those in whom the problem had been solved. There was nothing left. Now, until I came to this point, there was nothing left. I tried everything I could possibly think of, and then some. If it wasn't enough, what I thought of, wait, what did you think of? What did you think of? What program? What place? What exercise? Nothing left for us. Now, here's the but. So then we can drop the rest of that and we can move on. To pick up, there is an action required. Now, look at the humility here. The simple, oh, give me something complex I can solve. No, no, no. Remember, Bob, I love Dr. Bob's last words. Keep it simple. Those are your last words? Yeah. And those must be the word I heard. The kit of spiritual tools laid our feet. Their inaction is required. Their humility. I can't do it. And I love this. Oh, now look at here. We. Come on and join me. That's me. We have found much of heaven. Can I tell you? Heaven all the way to heaven. It wasn't based on what happened in my life anymore. Heaven all the way to you see I knew hell all the way to hell and we have been rocketed ooh yeah remember the guided missile the guided missile that took me to places where I didn't want to go me longer than I wanted to stay as our friend says no look at this we're rocket 
rocketed into fourth dimension of existence of which we had not even dreamed. You couldn't dream it, and we live it. And I say thank you, and I want to end with that, on the place where I am, and there's more than enough room. And thank you, and with that, I do pass, and I do share, and I thank you for the time given me. Thank you, Paula. Thank you to everyone who has shared. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And I'm going to ask Sarah W., would you please read for us from A Vision for You? I will, Monica. Thank you for your service, Sarah W., grateful, recovered, compulsive of a reader. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. Thank you.